KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, September 12th. Farm workers are waiting to see if the governor will sign a union elections bill. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The San Diego City Council is set to vote tomorrow on which team it wants to use to redevelop the Midway District. The area will be the future site of thousands of homes and a new arena. Last Thursday, a council committee agreed with the mayor's choice of Midway Rising. The vote will be the start of a two to four year negotiating period. Once a deal is signed, the project will be built in phases over the course of a decade or more. Our partners at iNewsource are reporting on the results of San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria's recent efforts to police homelessness. Since the start of the pandemic, arrests of people for blocking sidewalks and sleeping where it's not allowed have not led to a single conviction. According to data from the city attorney's office, Prosecutors reject two out of every three cases referred by SDPD. And every single case that has been pursued has been dismissed in court. The mayor, city attorney, and public defender all declined interview requests. The U.S. Marshal Service is offering up to $40,000 for information leading to the arrest of Leonard Francis, the ex-Navy contractor known as Fat Leonard, is at the center of the worst corruption scandal in the Navy's history. Last Sunday, federal law enforcement learned Francis cut his ankle monitor and fled home detention. He was set to be sentenced later this month and faced up to 25 years in prison. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. One of the bills waiting for Governor Gavin Newsom's signature would allow farm workers to vote on unionizing by mail, or by card check. He's vetoed similar legislation before. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado says a small group of farm workers is now holding vigil at the state capitol, hoping to convince Newsom to say yes this time. But farm owners in San Diego County say he should keep saying no. Farm worker Xochitl Nunes proudly documents the last mile of her 335-mile journey. She leads a chant and procession of thousands towards the Capitol in Sacramento on August 26th. She walks in lockstep with labor leader Dolores Huerta. The very icon who coined the battle cry, Si Se Puede. Nunes says she made the 24-day pilgrimage in the sweltering heat to get Governor Gavin Newsom to sign AB 2183. But he didn't sign it, and now she and a few farm workers remain at the Capitol, holding vigil in hopes the governor will change his mind. 
El próximo paso para mí va a ser una huelga de hambre. She says, the next step for me is a hunger strike because he doesn't come out and say anything. If we're essential like he says we are, prove it. Nunes says she's angry that while the farm workers waited for their bail to be signed, the governor signed other legislation to protect fast food workers. Look, they're just asking for a safe way to vote for a union. That's Lorena Gonzalez-Fletcher with the California Labor Federation. She and her husband, San Diego County Board Supervisor Nathan Fletcher, walked with the farm workers for 35 miles. She says the bill is important because farm workers are in a far more vulnerable position than others who try to unionize. When a boss wants to retaliate, they often deport these workers. So what they're asking for is a safe, secret way by which they can vote in a union election and their boss doesn't know. We, the farmers, agree with three governors now that have vetoed this same bill. Al Staley is the owner of Staley Grow Management and is on the board of directors of the San Diego Farm Bureau. He grows avocados, grapes and tangos on his farm in Valley Center. He has 30 employees. I've been in business over 40 years, and some of my employees have been with me that long. Staley says this bill takes away the rights of farmers. We, the farmers, don't want to erode our private property rights by having to give access to the unions to the property, nor do we want to give up our free speech rights to be able to talk with our employees about any union organization. And he says it would also lead to pressure on farm workers. The mail-in ballot or the card check delivered by union organizers is just a formula for intimidation and arm twisting. Those arguments don't make sense to Nunes, who has few moments of rest between vigils at the Capitol. And even then, she's praying and pleading with the governor. Por favor, se lo pido de todo corazón. It's there in brief moments, she says, she allows herself to dream. About what the passage of the bill would mean for families like hers and the legacy left by her hero, Cesar Chavez, fuels her to fight on. Ese es el legado que a mí me dejó Cesar Chavez, que se pelea hasta con el alma y con la vida si es necesario. That's the legacy Cesar Chavez left me, she says, that you fight with your soul and your life if necessary. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. Congress is considering legislation to streamline the immigration process for Afghan refugees a year after the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan. KPBS reporter John Carroll tells us much of the progress for those refugees is because of work done by San Diegans. We have a shared commitment to helping Afghan allies who have stood with Americans for 20 years through our longest war. That's San Diegan Sean Van Diver. The Navy vet founded the nonprofit Afghan EVAC a year ago after the fall of Afghanistan. The group's goal is to get people out of that country and relocate them to the U.S. Most of those people helped the U.S. during the 20-year war. Van Diver says the Biden administration's new policy called Operation Enduring Freedom is helping in the effort. 
Now, he says it's incumbent on Congress to pass the Afghan Adjustment Act. No longer will Afghans arrive here in a temporary status. They'll arrive with a durable, uh, long-term status and a pathway to becoming American citizens. The legislation was first introduced last November, but it still awaits passage in both the House and the Senate. John Carroll, KPBS News. A new homeless shelter in the Midway District is set to open today. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman says the opening comes as more unsheltered residents have moved into the area. An unassuming sprung tent structure in the back lot of the county health complex is where the city and county's newest homeless shelter is located. It's 150 beds and is similar to other shelters downtown. There's rows of bunk beds and eating and entertainment area with bathrooms and showers outside. The city is paying for its operation while the county is providing the location and on-site mental health services. Homeless service provider Alpha Project has been tapped to run this new shelter. CEO Bob McElroy has been doing outreach in the Midway area, getting ready for Monday's opening. We already know who our, most of our folks are out there. They know that they're coming in. And we're going to go out and literally find them and pick them up on Mondays and start welcoming people in. Couples and pets will be allowed at the Midway Shelter. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. Coming up, how the British community in San Diego is reacting to the UK's new king. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Stay close. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. British subjects across the globe now have a new king, a first in 70 years. The death of Queen Elizabeth II Britain's longest reigning monarch marks a seismic shift for the country and passing of the crown to her son, King Charles III. He spoke publicly Friday for the first time since her death. In her life of service, we saw that abiding love of tradition, together with that fearless embrace of progress, which makes us great as nations. The affection, admiration, and respect she inspired became the hallmark of her reign. And as every member of my family can testify, she combined these qualities with warmth, humor, and an unerring ability always to see the best in people. I pay tribute to my mother's memory and I honor her life of service. I know that her death brings great sadness to so many of you. And I share that sense of loss beyond measure with you all. We wanted to hear reaction to the Queen's death from former Britons living here, so we reached out to Craig Tolson, the president of the House of England at Balboa Park's Hall of Nations. He spoke with KPBS's Jade Hindman. So how are British expats in San Diego reacting to the news of the Queen's death? 
Well, obviously, um, you know, upset by the news. She's been on the throne 70 years, so everybody's grown up with her as pretty much almost a part of our family as well. So it's going to take some getting used to. What kind of presence has Queen Elizabeth had in your own life? Always been there at the big occasions. You watch any of the gala concerts, the big sporting events when I was growing up back home, the Jubilee parties. Then obviously everybody's reaching out for the money and the stamps and her face is always there. So very hard to avoid. Queen Elizabeth was monarch for 70 years, beginning just after World War II. And for many people, she represented stability. Can you talk a bit about uh, what she means to regular Brits? I think to regular Brits, it was almost like having a member of the family around, you know, giving the speeches at Chris every Christmas day. It was always a big TV audience to watch that. Just being in the public eye a lot and for such a long time, 70 years, she basically came on the throne before the broadcast of TV. She was just everywhere. And then I think not only in Britain, all university like across the globe, we got a lot of visitors in the cottage from different nations. Always the, the royal display is always one of the most popular ones there. So probably go down in history as the most popular queen of all time. The queen died just days after appointing a new prime minister, Liz Truss, uh, to lead parliament. But the power of the monarchy is largely ceremonial. What role does the British monarch have in the modern day? These events have gone a long time. You get like annual royal gala events. People used to come and watch things like the Trooping of the Color. There was the uh, Jubilee Party just a few months ago. She was just a steadying power despite all the political change and things like that. So regardless of anybody's political views, whichever side of the fence she sat on, I, I think she got a lot of respect. And Queen Elizabeth's eldest son is now known as King Charles III. What are your thoughts on the new monarch? It's somebody we're going to have to get used to. I know there's a lot of people have different opinions about him. You know, obviously, Diana was a popular figure, tragically lost her. So people have questioned his private life with his marriage. But only time will tell. Um, I think like with anybody new, you just got to give them the chance, the benefit of the doubt. And hopefully things will be okay and can just keep carrying on. Yeah, I mean, there's been some talk and suggestion that new King Charles, now 73, could or even should abdicate so that the younger Prince William can assume the throne. Do you think that the monarchy needs a younger face or do you think the change would still be largely ceremonial? It would still be ceremonial. You know, I understand, you know, a lot of people would like to see William be king. Part of it, he, him and his wife and his children do purvey the image of a, you know, a steady family, no internal squabbles, rather than somebody who's taken the throne after going through a messy divorce. I can understand people not wanting that and would prefer that, you know, somebody younger with a, a solid family base around them. You mentioned this earlier, but Americans and American media have long had a fascination with the British royal family. Why do you think that is? Despite how, you know, things started all those years ago, dissolving from British rule, I, I still think there's been a, a fascination with this tradition that goes back, people say hundreds of years, but when you look back thousands of years, it's just uh, this queen now, for, she was in power, should I say, I'm just getting used to saying that myself, but been in power for 70 years and maybe like I think about 14 presidents have come and gone, but she's been there while there's been so much change in the world. That was Craig Tolson, the president of the House of England at Balboa Park, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Hyman. More than 900,000 new college-age students have been registered to vote in California this year. 
The Secretary of State was in the South Bay Friday to motivate even more. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez was there. Dr. Shirley Weber is California's first African-American Secretary of State. She's also the daughter of sharecroppers who fled the South to California to be able to vote without intimidation. Her message to students at Southwestern College Friday was direct. This is a democracy and you want to be heard. It's the only way you're really going to be heard effectively is to vote. When you don't vote, you give up your power. Weber is on a college tour across the state in hopes of registering a million new young voters in time for this November's election. The last day to register to vote this year is October 24th. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. A healthy body means a healthy gut or microbiome. A San Diego biotech is trying to get parents to donate their infant's poop so they can learn what babies have in their gut and what else they may need. KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge has the story. At Persephone Biosciences, bacteria samples are removed from a steel cask where they've been stored at minus 200 degrees Celsius. Company CEO Stephanie Culler calls them her company's assets, and the bacteria is collected from infant poop samples donated by parents. The company gathers the bacteria to examine the gut biomes of a diverse group of babies and compare them to possible health problems they have in later years. There's been a substantial increase in the last two decades of food allergies. A lot of that can be coming from the microbiome. Color says modern life has caused a lot of health problems related to having very little fiber in the diet and the extensive use of antibiotics. Other things that Color says can shortchange a child's gut health are C-section births and formula feeding. The study will compare those kids to ones born vaginally and who are breastfed. We want to come up with a product that can work for every baby, no matter how they're born, no matter how they're fed. We want them to have the right microbes for health success. Parents interested in being part of this study can go to gotbabypoop.com. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.